This is episode 30 of the No Limits podcast. Welcome back. The podcast is brought to you by Tangle Free Waterfowl. You work hard all year, anticipating the small window of time you get to spend in the blind. How disappointing is it then to get to that moment only to have your gear fail? Tangle Free offers gear that functions exactly as it's designed to function every time, year after year after year. I always say, don't waste your hard-earned time and money on gear that only lasts a year or two. Head over to TangleFree.com for panel blinds, layout blinds, decoys, and accessories. And because you are a valuable No Limits listener and subscriber, you'll get free shipping on your entire order. You guys are getting ready to stock up for the season that's coming up. So think about how much you can save on bulky, expensive-to-ship items like blinds and decoys. TangleFree.com, promo code PASSION at checkout for free shipping, TangleFree.com. Is your coffee hunter-friendly? Do you really know where your coffee comes from? Who are you really paying to get it here? And what are the political ideologies and agendas of the buyers and middlemen? What if I told you there's a coffee producer that buys directly from the farmer, cuts out the anti-Second Amendment, anti-hunting middlemen, supports the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance, and has a great-tasting, full-bodied, delicious coffee. Hunter's Blend Coffee is that company. On episode 16, we had Paul and Mike of Hunter's Blend on the podcast to explain their revolutionary approach to their direct trade model and the impact it's made on the poor farming communities. This new purchasing model has put money back into those farming communities, helped open churches, made health care available, and has absolutely changed lives, not to mention help fight terrible anti-hunting and anti-Second Amendment legislation where we need it most, in the courtroom. So head over to huntersblendcoffee.com, use promo code no limits, all one word, at checkout, and get 10% off of your order. You're going to buy coffee. Why not have it delivered to your door from a company that has your hunting and Second Amendment rights in mind and supports your right to hunt and save 10% in the process? Great coffee, great mission, huntersblendcoffee.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry. The Revelation Outdoors mission is to help spread the gospel of Christ through waterfowl hunting. We leverage several different mediums or delivery methods to do that either through our social media pages and our Passion of Pursuit short film series that's produced by Rome and Motion Culture Media. Our favorite way, though, to share the way we experience Jesus and waterfowling is through live presentations, either at men's events, wild game dinners, or other places where sportsmen gather. We have been invited to speak at events all over the country, and we absolutely love connecting with our fellow sportsmen and talking about how God has changed our lives. And he's done it not through religion, but through a personal relationship with Christ. We are not religious guys, and we stress that. We are guys just like the rest of you all, and we have found that when we are able to break through a lot of the religious fog that surrounds us, we are able to show the simplicity found in God's plan of salvation. If you have an event coming up and you need a speaker, we'd love to talk to you. You can connect with us on social media or through our website, revelationoutdoors.com. Okay, let's get started. My guest today has been more than a very good friend. He has been a trusted advisor. He has been a prayer warrior. 
and he has been a driving force behind some really, really cool new directions for Revelation Outdoors waterfowl ministry. Chase came to me a little over a year ago and asked if he could start a Revelation Outdoors chapter at Texas A&M and leverage the Rome brand to drive interest in a men's ministry on campus. That was a direction to which I had never really given any thought. And the more Chase and I discussed how our missions overlapped, the more it made absolute sense. So uh, since that time, the TAMU or the Texas A&M University Rome chapter has grown from 20 guys to what they expect to be nearly 60 this semester. They are reaching out to other campuses to duplicate what they have done at A&M, as well as small men's groups off of campuses as well. You don't have to be a a student or attend a university to start a chapter, a small group. I think in any pursuit, it's good to surround yourself with people who can help you spot and see opportunities to grow that you may miss. And Chase has definitely done that for us. In this episode, we talk about the A&M chapter, how it got started, their progress to this point, and what is coming up this semester. I had a Had a chance to drive over last March and cook some crawfish and speak to the guys. And it was really, I was really just thrilled to have a group of such godly men of action representing the Revelation Outdoors brand. It was truly a blessing. On this episode, we also talked a good bit about the status, if you will, of Christianity on college campuses. And that really unfolded into a broader discussion of why so many men in society today fail to engage when it comes to Christianity. Um, And what are some of the obstacles and barriers that keep men from engaging? And we, we distilled that down into two primary things. And you'll need to listen to our discussion to see what those are. Uh, We finally finish up by discussing the point that I think a great many men miss when they consider or they're asked to consider Jesus, and that is his personality. His personality is what makes him relational to us. Hopefully you'll take some time after the podcast today and read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you do, I hope that you will do that looking for all of the little Uh, nuggets and passages that show that Jesus was a real man, just like you and I, with a personality that draws us in. Think of your best friend. What is it about that person that draws you to him? When you think about that, is it not their personality? And Jesus is no different. The Gospels are alive with the personality of Jesus. If you know to look for it. He's not a two-dimensional or one-dimensional name on a page. Uh, Chase and I had a great discussion, and I really hope that you'll listen. I know some of you guys may think, here he goes again on on his Jesus kick, but really, um, give it a listen, because what do you have to lose? So with that, here is my very good friend, brother in Christ, and founder of the Texas A&M University Revelation Outdoors Waterfall Ministry Chapter, Mr. Chase Moore. All right, all right. 
are live. Chase Moore, my brother. What's happening? Oh, not much. Just hanging out. Hey, is Good. it still is it still hot in College Station, Texas? Oh man, it was about a hundred <laughs> degrees. We had a, we had a cold front come through a few weeks ago, and um, we got down to about sixty eight degrees one morning. Yeah, I mean, you give it till about ten o'clock, and it's about ninety five degrees. But hey, we enjoy that little cold that little cold front. But I mean, until September. We're looking at 100 every day with about 70% humi- humidity. So, Yeah, well, it doesn't get any better when you come east towards me. So, No, it doesn't. It doesn't now, are you – Are you? Uh, your classes haven't started yet, have they? No, so we get going here in, I think it's like August 26th, our first day. Okay. So we got a few weeks. I'm actually down in Houston um, working down here, doing a little internship and head back up to College Station. And- oh, yeah? In about a week, so decided to get back work? over there. A little what? A little free work? I don't know. I'm getting paid, getting getting paid, you know. Nice. Nice. Gotta make a living somehow. Get some. Yeah. Well, before because I want to talk a lot about um the Revelation Outdoors chapter at A and M. Um a couple other things that we've got on the agenda, but give us uh before we really get started, talk about where yeah. you where you grew up, um, what are some of your earliest memories of getting into hunting and fishing, and how did that kind of shape uh, who you are today as far as your relationship with Christ? Right. I mean, yeah, so I was I was born actually in Denver, Colorado, um, and I lived there for about 10 years. My dad. That's the 303 area code I see when you call 303. it. 303. Loud and proud. 303, baby. Yeah, I mean, a big Rockies fan, big Broncos fan. Both those teams have been letting me down here, but <laughs> Rockies went six and nineteen in July, and I'm just sick about it. Um, but so yeah, grew up going to all those different games and moved to Texas when I was about ten. My dad, my dad's originally from Longview, and my mom's mm-hmm. from Jackson, Mississippi. So I got right that on. good old southern roots. Um, right and they met in Dallas, and ended up moving our family up to Denver for an opportunity to develop the, some land up there mm-hmm. and finish that up. And my dad decided to move closer to family down here. And So uh, you lived in Denver until you were? About 10. I moved in fifth grade. So so long enough to really get to like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you can't beat it. I mean, that weather up there, the snow, the mountains. And granted, in, in March, when it's it's been there's been snow on the ground for five straight months, it kind of gets old just like the Texas heat does. But Right. I mean, it's give and take anywhere you go. Um, but yeah, no, dude, I, I t- you're you're right because I talked to people like I was getting off a plane and some people were from Boston, and dude, they took three steps in the jetway in New Orleans and they were like, "What <laughs> is that?" I'm like yeah. that's air. <laughs> that is air. And, and they're the like, "Oh my god, together. I don't know how y'all live down here with the heat and the hurricanes and the well." I mean, you you got stuff to deal with wherever you live. Yeah. So I mean, it's no perfect environment, but I mean, love Texas, love the people down here. I mean, you can't really beat it. I went to a great little high school in Tyler, Texas. Mm-hmm. Love that and was able to get into a few things. I mean, I, when we lived in Colorado, I did, did some trout fishing, but it was kind of just a side thing. And my dad just wanted to get us out in the outdoors somehow. So we would do a little fishing t- tournaments, me and my brother. And it was, it wasn't fly fishing, just kind of bait casting and mm-hmm. throwing a worm on a hook and enjoying the outdoors but as soon as we moved down to texas started getting into whitetail hunting um i remember my my first year really 
getting into whitetail hunting. I was in fifth grade, and man, I hunted hard. Um, I was dedicated. So about three quarters of the season, me and my dad decided to go hunt this this creek stand that we hadn't hunted. It's a two person tree stand. So we were up there. I mean, it's probably ten minutes before before shooting lights done, and sure enough, this eight point comes out. I mean, I was shaking. So I'm pulling my gun up and one way or another it fired. And I mean, I shot, I mean, I don't know if the safety was off. I don't know what happened, but I shot it. And luckily it wasn't pointing towards me and my dad, but it shot the other direction. I mean, wasn't even in the general vicinity of the deer and that deer ran off and I just started bawling, crying. And I'm like going down the tree stand and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I worked so hard for this. And I mean, some people spent years and then years trying to get a white tail. And it was like my first year and was just bawling so upset. My dad's like, you got to get back up here. You can come back out. I was like, no, I'm never hunting again. This is, we're, we're done. Um, and I mean, I cried hard that night, but I remember I going back to deer camp and a bunch of my dad's buddies were out there and family and sure enough, they started telling stories. I mean, everyone has that type of story where they just like, oh man, this, that one that got away and like yeah, all their different hunting failures, they were just like boosting me up. And sure enough, I was up and at them again in the morning. Um, and sure enough, like two years later, that buck came back out and uh, dropped him. So gave him a little dirt nap and got some meat out of him and got to experience like the true the true buck fever sitting there shaking. And I mean, there's nothing like it. So yeah, yeah for sure. And ever since then, I mean, it's kind of been getting into different things. So our property's in deep east Texas, a little town called Hawkins. I mean, population about two thousand people if we're being generous and I mean, that's the way, that's the way I like it. I mean, that's, that's kind of been home for me. So my parents actually moved back, moved back up to Denver when I graduated high school. So, I mean, that ranch we have out there is really what I consider home. And I mean, we got everything out there. So my brother went to A&M. I brought an older brother named Garrett. He's four years older than me. Uh, my dad went to A&M and then my brother went there. So well, my brother went there. I mean, I would go down for football games and uh, just like fell in love with the place. My dad had raised us Aggies. I mean, great school. But he came back about two years after being in A and M. He's like, Chase, you've got to try this old duck hunting thing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm always into yeah. trying something new. And hey, here's some crack for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that's a dangerous game to get into there. Um, so sure enough, went on a duck hunt. We, I mean, we shot two or three ducks, and I just fell in love with it. And I mean. It's been on fire ever since then, and um, it's been cool to kind of have that similar passion with my brother and getting to enjoy that. And I mean, that's half of what the outdoors is all about—just getting together with other men, and getting to enjoy God's creation. I mean, there's nothing like it. So, uh, what what is it? So, I mean, I get the excitement of sitting on stand and all the anticipation of deer hunting, right? Right. Like I, I totally get it. And like that stand you were talking about where you're sitting with your dad, was it like a two person ladder? It was like a one the, person ladder. So, I mean, one person would go up and then the next person would go up. But I mean, it, it, where you sat, there was a two person stand. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think almost every deer hunter started off that way. Oh yeah. Like in a, in a, in a leaning ladder, two man ladder stand with your old man or your uncle or grandpa or whatever. Right. But there is something about duck hunting that I just, I really feel that it just totally trumps 
whatever you feel when you're sitting in a deer stand. And and I don't yeah. know if it's just because there's always something going on and it's, it's a little more social. Maybe I think might be. Yeah. It. I mean, you're sitting there in the silent and I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a hunt. I mean, it's stalking deer and whatever it is. There's a lot of preparation that goes into both of them. But I mean, something about the fellowship of duck hunting, like getting to be there and sharing a blind, getting out there an hour early, setting up decoys. And I mean, you got 45 minutes in the dark and you just cut up and some of the greatest conversations I've ever had have been before that sunrise or, you know, finishing up a limit or whatever it is. Um, or, you know, you only shoot one duck and, or you don't shoot any ducks. I mean, you can have a great time and there's a, people get to see like the pictures of like, oh, these straps of duck. But I mean, they got no idea the type of work that goes behind that and how many failed hunts. Or I say failed hunts, they're not failures. It's just like, I mean, you're not harvesting birds, but I mean, if I go out there and I, I get to have a great conversation with a guy and get to see a beautiful sunrise, I mean, you can't beat that. Um, but I think, I think it is a social aspect is, and just seeing a mallard cup up, I don't know. Mm. That, you can't really <laughs> compare that to just about anything. No, man. I, I tell you what I love is, you know, I've said before, if I had my choice of scenarios to hunt, it would be flooded timber. Yeah. And if I had my places of flooded timber to hunt, it would be in the Mississippi Delta, north of Jackson. Yeah. Um, and I think you know where I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm waiting on the invite to go hunting it, you know. Dude, you better put your walking boots on <laughs> and your get up early alarm because that place has just gotten overrun. But, um, Dang. That to me, dude, there is nothing like and you get a big group working and you hit that you hit that little hail call, that little greeting call, and that hen starts yelling yeah. back at you. So, and then you on. watch him then you watch him break limbs on the way down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I was I took a couple of my cousins hunting um this past year and they don't really duck hunt. They've been on maybe two or three duck hunts, but so we honestly had a pretty slow morning. We shot a few a few wood ducks, a few mallards, but weirdly enough i mean we stayed out there until about 10 o'clock and we had and we hadn't seen anything like an hour and sure enough a group of like 30 mallards start circling and neither of them know really anything about duck hunting. i'm just like keep your head down and wait on my wait on my call so i'm like i'm talking to these ducks i mean they're just they're like about to do it and sure enough two drop in the hole and i look back and there's like 20 just cupped up i mean they're give us another five seconds they're in the hole i know <laughs> how the story ends and one of <laughs> one of the guys start shooting up these two ducks doesn't hit either one of them and i mean i was like man <laughs> i couldn't mm. wait five more seconds but i mean that that's all the fun there you know like getting to see that getting to joke around with him about that i mean it's just getting to see him work i mean it's, people think it's all about the killing i mean that's awesome and getting to harvest them and get to eat what you kill is awesome but yeah just getting to cut up in the outdoors um and there's just a lot more action that goes behind duck hunting and don't get me wrong i still love whitetail hunting and love shooting my bow and um, but, but I mean, you just can't beat it. And, no. Yeah. And, so How much? and there's so many different environments you can duck on in. Oh, that's I know. Dude. Thing. That's, that's sitting the, in the same tree stand week after week, you know, uh, watching so. the same food plot. Yeah. Looking at your watch, waiting for the feeder to kick on. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there's people that, they grind it out. So oh, no doubt those guys at all. And, uh, no, I think that's what attracted me to bow hunting so much is that it's so much more up close and personal. Yeah. Um, that you definitely feel like the the playing field's a lot more level with a stick and a string. With a stick and a string, you dang right about that. Stick and a string. How did um so all right, so now you you finish high school, right? 
yeah. you enroll at A&M? Yeah, so I see, I went to Blinn Junior College my freshman year, go Buccaneers, um, and then transferred into A&M. So it's actually in College Station. Just didn't have my mind right in high school as far as grades go and was able to straighten it up my freshman year and get into A&M, but was still in that same environment. I mean, lived with guys that went to A&M, hung out with A&M people. You're really an Aggie and went to all the football games and everything, but had to get my mind right and my priorities straight before I was able to, to get to school there. Um, yeah. But yeah, and so I kind of, throughout high school, I actually got really, really into bass fishing. So uh, I love, love the bass fish, um, especially when it's not duck season. You got to find a way to get in the outdoors. Yeah. So I ended up buying a 1988 bass tracker. Um, and like first week I bought it, I took her out and sure enough, she wouldn't start. And you know what boat stands out, what boat stands for is bring out another thousand. So sure yep. enough, right after I bought it. Nope. Team Johnny Morris. Yeah. So <laughs> that was tough. But I mean, literally every single day, every single weekend I was out on my boat fishing. And I mean, I had a handful of guys that would go with me, but more than half the time I was just taking my boat out by myself and enjoying the outdoors. And it kind of moved me into a place where, you know, you're spending so much time on your own and kind of my junior year, you went, I went through like a little period of just like, just kind of like a little yearning for more. I don't know a better way to describe it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just like getting, being isolated so much and being in the outdoors and, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of, a lot of failures in that and lessons I learned from owning a boat. And, but I think just having that boat to get out there, get like truly isolated. Yeah. God definitely like use that time in my life to be like, Hey, so you're seeing all this, there's more, but that's kind of like the beginning of it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into my senior year, I, we, we took a class trip to Catalina Island. Mm-hmm. So it's off the coast of California and, uh, Catalina wine mixer, Catalina wine mixer from Step Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's basically what we were doing there, but no, we were taking a trip and, um, so there was our entire senior class of my school. And we had a guy speak to us and he talked about how he had an accountability group while he was in college. And unfortunately he was an LSU tiger. Um, whoa, but... whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> don't, don't, man, we're like 12, 14 minutes into this thing. Don't even start with me. You don't want me to bring up the 74, 72, seven overtime win this year. Oh, you can, if, if you want, I mean, if you're ready to go down that road of how the refs totally gave you that game. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll gladly take that win and our spot oh, in the SEC West as well. Yeah. You know? What um, else? So anyway, accountability group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see in Death Valley this year. Um, but yeah, I had that accountability group. So he had that accountability group at LSU. And one of my buddies got me and five other guys together and said, Hey, like, what do y'all think about starting an accountability group? Like holding each other accountable and none of us really knew better. And we all kind of had like, we we're all raised right, so we had a good like kind of moral compass, but we didn't know what it looked like. What a relationship with the Lord looked like. We're like, all right, let's meet weekly. We'll do read scripture together, and we'll confess it and try to push each other to be better men. And so we did that. My first semester. Yeah, but at that year. time, so let me ask you this real quick before you go on. Yeah. So at that time, were you a believer? That's a great question. I've been asked that before, and it's kind of like if you would have asked me, like, what is the truth of the gospel? I couldn't have told you. Um, mm-hmm. like I definitely couldn't verbalize that. And so, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a tough question to answer. Um, because you know, I, I did all the 
elementary school, raise your hand if you want to be saved. And but if you had asked me like, what what does this honestly mean? I don't know if I could have answered you. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. in, my, in my heart, I might have known it, but I mean, I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't have done any of that. So yeah, because uh, I think there may be some guys listening that don't like. We may have lost them for a second. Um, yeah. I think there may be some guys that either they go to church sometimes and think, you know, punching my car, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but there's, there's the some other guys. And, yeah. 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 But, but there's some other guys too that, Hey, I, I know that, um, while I can't recite verse, you know, I know a bunch of guys dude, that they can't really recite verses or they don't, you know, as far as a, being doctrinally sound, right. I guess I'll say they're not there, but they know that, you know, eternal life awaits them because they've put their faith in Christ. Right. They do what the gospel of John says 97 times they believe. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe not be able to have a theological discussion, but so that's, that's, that was the basis of my question there. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question. I've definitely spent a lot of time thinking on it, but at the end of it, doesn't really end of the day. It doesn't really matter because I know where I'm at today, and yeah, but, right. Um, you know, you got to have a heart for those people and want people to find what I've found. So, kind of mm-hmm. through that process, we had that accountability group that first semester, and it was like a lot of just kind of meeting together. And then, like, it, we just didn't know what we were doing. We were just so young; we had no idea what was going on. And um, I think we thought we were getting something out of it, but we didn't really know what we were doing. So, the guy that actually led that talk. Going into our second semester, senior year, he's like, hey, I want to step up and lead this for y'all. We're going to read through a book, and he got us a book about what biblical manhood looks like. And mm-hmm. So we met every week and like got to see what a relationship with the Lord like truly looked like. We got to see what accountability like truly looked like and pushing each other to be better men. And, man, I, I just realized like seeing these guys that I know like have like this heart for the Lord, but they just fail continually and fall short and I know how bad they want this. I know how bad they want it, but they can't get it. I'm like, Oh, what's going on? And sure enough. I mean, I fell into that same old thing of, um, wanting it so bad, so bad. Like I'm falling short. Like, why am I falling short? I'm trying so hard. Hmm. And came this realization like, okay, like we can't do it. You know, I, I can't do this on my own. Like I'm fighting this fight. That's, I can't win. Um, but Christ won that for me. And, um, he came and he paid, the cost of all of that, and I don't have to carry that burden. Um, yeah, so you found yourself doing something that had already been done for you. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to, I was trying to fight this this fight, and I was, I was just, I was honestly just running away from something, you know. And I'm running away from it, running away from it, but I didn't, I wasn't running towards anything. And like I mean, what? Not, I mean, what, what? What? So, guys, that, again, I don't want to lose anybody that's listening to us, but you're talking about, you know, fighting for something or fighting a fight would go a little bit deeper into that. Um, yeah. Um, so for me and for a lot of guys in our, in our, um, in our accountability group, it was like masturbation and porn. And the Lord actually took that away from me when I was a junior in high school and didn't have that struggle. But I got to see them continually like falling back into that, that hole that this was. And I knew how bad they like, okay, I, I don't want to do this. I keep falling mm-hmm. into it. Like, why did I fall into it? Like I, yeah. I, and it was just like heartbreaking to see them go through that. For me, it was setting boundaries with my girlfriend and um, continue like falling back into that hole. And right. I was just like trying to run away from it, run away from it. And the Lord was like, you got to run towards me. You can't just run away from this. And um, so kind of 
I mean, I realized what, what a relationship with the Lord looks like through that and mm-hmm. realized like, okay, I got to, I got to run towards that thing. So yeah. Cause you can run away from something in a bunch of different directions, Yeah, 100%. but there's only one direction to run towards something. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely realized that and all those guys realized it and it's been cool to see as we've taken on college, the different paths that we've gone on, but how all of us have really done our best to stay the course because Christ laid that out for us. So, um, but it's, it's been a challenge for sure. I mean, it's not an easy, easy road to go down. Do you remember but, the name of the book that you just mentioned? Um, a guide to biblical manhood. Okay. So it goes through different characters. I mean, it goes through like Daniel, Job, all these different men in the Bible, um, gotcha. and obviously through Jesus, um, just walks through their lives and their lives. But I mean, you see all these people like, like Daniel, uh, David, I mean, David, considered one of the most righteous men and he ends up sleeping with his best friend's wife and then murdering him, putting him on the front line so he could get killed. Mm-hmm. And he's called a man after God's own heart. And I mean, you realize like, okay, he's a man after God's own heart, but he did that. So yeah. like, it's just the realization of like our broken condition and getting to, right. getting to study that. And But you know what, Chase, here, here's the good news about that. Cause you remember what Paul said in Romans is that the good that I want to do, I don't do. What I know I shouldn't do, that's the exact same same thing that I do. Romans 7. Oh, oh, wretched man that I am. Not that I yeah. was. Wretched man that I am. And so and, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the right. New Testament, considered himself the chief sinner and, and a wretched yeah. man. So There's actually a, a psalm that like really spoke to me like in one of my like darkest nights. It's Psalm 51 and... David's writing this poem and it's Lord, like all I have to bring you is a broken spirit. And I'm like, gosh, that's all literally all we have to offer is a broken spirit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, Lord, like I, I give you, I can't carry this anymore. Um, like I give you, I give us all to hand it over to you and going through college. It was like a, a learning progression and learned how to study my Bible and kind of like, I mean, I taught myself how to fish, how to fly fish, really how to like teach myself how to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And was able to stay disciplined in that. I mean, people think, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. I remember, so in, in uh, I think I was in middle school, I got in a, a fight with one of my friends. And I was like, man, like, what are you supposed to do in this time? Like, well, my small group leader always says to read your Bible. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to read my Bible. Like, okay, where do I start? So I remember the day, let's say it was was June 6th. I like turned turn to page like 606 because of June 6th. And I was like, all right. And I read and I didn't get anything out of it. I was like, what the heck? I'm like, how do I do this? So, um <laughs> end up reading through Proverbs and I mean, people were like, oh yeah. And as soon as I jumped in the word, like life changed for me, it wasn't that way. It was really a, a discipline that I had to continually stay at. And mm-hmm. I remember reading Proverbs for the first time and it, I was like, yeah, this is all right. Um, and it was excited. And I jumped into Galatians and read through the new Testament. Oh yeah. But I read through Proverbs again after and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, and it just takes time. It's a discipline just like any other thing. I mean, you don't, you don't go on your first duck hunt by yourself and go, get a strap of mallards. I mean, it takes a lot of work and yeah, um, to discipline just like anything else. You got to, you got to put time and effort into it. So, but here, here's two points there. So I want to back up to something that you said. Um, and that is struggling with things and bringing a broken spirit to Christ. Right. So right. at that point you were a believer, you were saved. Yeah. percent. So, what I don't want guys to think is you have to go through this enormous struggle to be saved. Um, yeah. 
you can, and, and Paul's point in Romans, we were just talking about, is, look, no doubt he was saved when he wrote that. I mean, you can be saved and do all kind of stupid things. I'm not yeah. saying that you should, but it doesn't negate your salvation when you slip off into something that you know is not profitable for you or other people who may be edified by your conduct. Um, it does not negate your salvation. So what I don't want people to, uh, what I don't want people to think, especially guys to think is yeah. I've, you know, I have to be perfect before I make that decision. Cause if yeah. you wait to be perfect, you, um, guess, guess how long that takes forever. Yeah. You ain't going to get there. <laughs> and then my second point is, I don't remember what my second point was. So, well, yeah, but I mean, so yeah, coming in into college, I, it was a continual process to learn how to read the Bible, but I feel like a lot of guys, when they share their testimony, it's kind of like a point where mm. they just like mm. caught fire for the Lord. And I felt like I, yeah. I just like hadn't made it to that point. I was like on fire. Like I was saved and I was there, but I was like, man, I, I just like want to catch fire. So I decided like, all right, this is the second semester of my sophomore year. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to dedicate to reading the word. Um, I read Wild at Heart and there's a verse in there, Jeremiah 29, 13. Mm. that you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart and yeah man like i was like that's just so relevant today because so many people just like half-heartedly do stuff and like they expect yeah. these results i'm like all right if i like want to see this and like i have to do this wholeheartedly i have to give them everything i got so i was like all right yeah here you go lord and man, it's been it's been cool to see how he revealed himself to me and um getting to learn more and more and continue to chase after him so it's been a yeah, and you cool know, challenging when, process, but yeah, when you when you talk about reading scripture, this was my second point. I remember. Um, so, some guys may decide, okay, I'm going to start reading the Bible, which is great. Yeah. But they'll get a couple of verses or a couple of chapters in and say, "Man, I have no idea what this means," and they'll get discouraged and they'll put it down. What I found is, if you if you're reading and you don't understand, just keep reading. Um, it The word will reveal itself to you yeah. based on God's timing if you put the effort in to read it. Yeah. And I think that, so if anybody's listening, like, yeah, I'm going to dust my Bible off and start reading it. I think one of the, one of the worst things you can do when you pick up a Bible to start reading, um, if, if, you, if you really want to get, the salvific message out of it. Don't start in Genesis, please. Um, I would, I would say for someone who really wants to get the gist of what's going on, I always tell people to start in John because John is the, really the only book that says this matter of fact, John was the only author that wrote purpose clauses into what he wrote. So if you read, like, I think it's chapter 21 around verse 30 or, something like that. It, yeah. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may believe and in believing have everlasting life. So in other words, the things that I just spent 20 chapters writing to you, I'm writing them to you so that you can believe. And he used the verb believe 97 times yeah. in the book of John. So apparently there's something he wants you to believe. Something important in there. Yeah. So I would tell guys, 
read the book of John. Just understand who Jesus was and believe who he was because that is that is the key to your salvation. Right. Um, and once you get a good foundation of who he is, then start reading the other gospels to get a different perspective of his humanity and of his kingship and of his messiahship, right? Yeah. And then when you start getting into the epistles, which is basically Paul's letter to all the different churches, they're all letters of conduct. Yeah. Then it's that's when it really starts working on you. That's when you hit the point where Paul hit. It's like, do the things that I'm doing, I know I'm not supposed to be doing. And I don't do the things that I'm supposed to do. That's when he calls himself a wretched man. Yeah. But when you, when the bedrock of your foundation is Jesus was fully God, fully man, and he took not only my sin to the cross, but the sins of the entire world. Yeah. So sin is no longer the issue, which is really great news because we're going to do it every single day. Every day. Every day. So one of the things that you and I went back and forth on through email was your mission trip. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, so I got to spend spend last summer in Guatemala. I got to work with a ministry called Casas for Cristo and um, kind of just developed the heart for missions. I went to Cambodia my sophomore year of high school and I'm like, man, this is different and like developed like a true heart for people and got to see like how fortunate we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, okay. And I'm going to, I was going to school. I'm getting a degree in construction science and like, all right, how can I use this degree in construction science and go go share the gospel with people? And the way that the ministry works is we'd build build a house and we'd work through a local church so the local pastors would meet and they'd select different families to receive homes in the community. And they, they'd pick those people based off of, like, people that would come to know the Lord through receiving a house or faithful members of the church. And there's, there's even one guy that would drive around on his motorcycle and he would just be praying while he was driving, like, Lord, just, like, stop me somewhere that this family needs a house and we'll come to know you through it. So got to build 12 houses while I was there. And uh, we had church groups from the States come out and they would be like our labor force. And I would like lead those groups in the construction of the home and like facilitate the relationship between like the, the family, um, the local pastor and the church that came in to build. And man, it was truly incredible. We get to see that. And yeah, your whole, pictures from that mission were awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, got to see a few people coming to the Lord and, uh, I mean, just giving people when you, so we do a dedication on the last day. So you, you hand the keys over to the family and you're like, man, how can I, I can't repay you. Like, I don't have anything to repay you with. I was like, and I was like, you're dang right about that. And you have nothing that you can ever do to pay for your salvation. Like no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you chase after it, mm. you're going to fall short. You can't do it. But mm-hmm. just like we're giving you keys to the house, you have to do nothing to earn it. Christ paid everything for you to have salvation, to have eternal life. And having that like tangible picture of like the gospel is incredible, yeah. incredible. Um, and got to know a lot of really truly incredible people. And Casa Cristo is an incredible um, ministry. So yeah, that was awesome. And got to learn a lot and broaden my perspective on a whole a lot of things there. So yeah, you really realize how <laughs> how we really want for nothing here. Um, when you go to some place like that. Yeah. 
it, it was crazy to see. And I constantly reminded of it and get to pray over those people. And actually had the opportunity to go back this past summer and get to see a lot of those people that I built houses for and like people just going to church, being faithful members, pursuing the Lord. Um, not that being a member of the church is cause of salvation, but I mean, they, they understand it and they understand what Christ came for and he died for. So, well, they're, they're, they're working out their salvation with fear and trembling, right? Yeah. I mean, they're putting it into motion. Yeah. It's not like, okay, I'm saved. I'm, um, that's good. I, I'm, I don't want to know anything else. I don't want to do anything. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your pictures from that mission were just, I don't know, man, it was good. I was so proud of you to do that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool and it kind of broadened my perspective on why we're here and to, to further the kingdom of God. And I might be doing that when I graduate and going to the mission field, but just trying to be, take it day by day and not be anxious about it and waiting for the Lord to, yeah. to show me where it is he wants me, but going to pursue him well, and proclaim his name wherever I go. Yeah, I mean, you're actively in the mission field now with our first, and I still don't even know how this happened. Um, (laughs) but our first revelation outdoors waterfowl ministry chapter, the, the Texas A&M chapter, the the Tamu chapter. Oh yeah. How, so like, and I'm being serious. I have no idea how that happened. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So talk us through that. When did you do it? Why? What? Just fill me in so that I can learn too. (laughs) Yeah. So there was uh, my head football coach and his son was actually in my accountability group uh he had a ministry while he was in college and after he graduated that was called christian hunters and anglers mm-hmm. so abbreviation for that was cha and once he became our head football coach he kind of like wasn't able to pour time into it but their basic mission was to go like speak at kind of like revelation outdoors go speak at game dinners ducks unlimited dinners whatever it is and share the gospel because a lot of guys will will step into a room to talk about duck hunting, but aren't going to step foot in church. And yeah. this is like a whole other way to reach people. And so a couple, a couple of my buddies, my junior year were like, let's make a, let's do like child pro staff. So we're, I mean, everyone's all about pro staff. Um, so like we can make an Instagram for it. We can do all this and like, we'll just see where it goes. And really that's all that ever came from it. But we kind of talked through that about like, what if we started like college chapters? Um, I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? That's kind of cool. Um, so freshman year, I kind of came into to school and, Came in with a few guys from high school, and a lot of those guys would love the Lord a lot, but they were not like duck hunters or outdoorsmen, fishermen. Um, and then a lot of the guys that I had duck hunted with weren't really pursuing the Lord. And I was like, well, Lord, like, I feel like this is something I could start here, and um, but I need you to like show me if that's what you want me to do. And I was like, if you want me to do, I need you to provide guys for me that, that love you and um, love the outdoors just as much, or not just as much, but. Mm-hmm. Get to experience you through that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got to pray through that and was patient in it and met, cool, met some guys in really cool ways. I was in a dorm room and there was like 10 people in there and I was wearing a tangle free waterfowl hat. And sure enough, this guy walks up to me and goes, Are you a, you a duck hunter? And I was like, Oh yeah, duck hunter. Uh, so he was like, Well, I follow this guy on Instagram. He used to be, so my brother used to make vines, which is like an old social media where you make like six second videos. Mm-hmm. And he was just, a dumb college student he would jump in ball pits there's a video of him riding on a cooler behind a truck and he slammed his head against the side of a house um awesome yeah so i mean he had like a hundred thousand followers and so this guy his name's henry ryan he was like 
Wait, that's all you got to do is slam your head against the side of a house to get a hundred thousand followers. Yeah. So. Oh, well, I guess I've there, been doing it wrong. If you're out there. Why don't you go do that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, so yeah, I, follow, I used to follow this guy in Vine, and he he's on Instagram. He's on the Tangle Free Pro staff. His name's Garrett Moore. But yeah, that's my brother. Um, he's like, no way. So I ended up kind of realized we both had that passion for the outdoors, and we grabbed breakfast a few weeks later, and I was like, hey. Like, it was clear that he loved the Lord, and I was like, what do you think about this? And he's like, let me pray about it. So he was like, I'm in. And then met other guys. I joined the Fly Fishing Association mm-hmm. and met some guys that were chasing after the Lord and that. And I got all those guys together. I was like, okay, what do y'all, what do y'all think about this? And they're like, let's do it. Um, the general idea is just to meet guys where they are. Like, let's go duck hunting and share the gospel while we're duck hunting. Let's go take them fishing and get to know the guys like, where they are. And this is what we love to do. So, I mean, it's almost right. second nature to us. So, right. Um, but I remember, so I got in touch with you and I called you, um, we got in touch through Gator Waiters and I, I called you. I was like, Hey, like I've seen Passion Pursuit and like, I kind of, I, I was like, this is the ministry I'm trying to start. And you're like, well, if you want to talk more about it, let's go fishing. And I was like, okay. And you're like, that was an epic trip, dude. Sure enough. I came, came to Louisiana and went fishing with you and the fishing was bad. Um, uh, but the fellowship, the fellowship was good. Um, yeah, let's 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 make that a look. The fishing was terrible. Yeah, we gotta be there. But hey, fellowship's good. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna talk with you about that, and gotta hear your heart and your kind of your story. Um, of starting starting Revelation Outdoors, that you kind of came to you had your revelation in the outdoors. So mm-hmm. we're still planning on doing like a Christian Hunters and Anglers chapter, but so we we started meeting that next semester. We had a Bible study. We went through Romans. Us, me and those guys just wanted to be rooted in the Word and make sure that we were doing like what the Lord, the Lord wanted us to do and not what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was walking through campus one day and I saw like a Christian Teachers Association. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know if anybody that's like a, has a passion for teaching and isn't a Christian is going to go join that. So like, why is it right. any different for hunting? Um, I was like, uh, so I like talk with my guys and we had a a leadership retreat where we went duck hunting and uh, I was like, what do y'all think about like doing a Revelation Outdoors chapter? And they're like, that's an awesome name. This is awesome. Let's do it. Um, so sure enough, we went through like the whole A&M process and we're good to start up about a year ago at A&M. So that's going into my junior year and it was all juniors that started alongside me. Um, and like, honestly, those guys have been truly incredible. Couldn't have done it without them. Um, and I mean, they've done more than I have. It's been so cool to see a group of guys come together and, all for the same purpose and so we threw a we went to AM does like a a new like for freshmen like a, a event so we went to that and recru- recruited a few guys to come to a cookout and we cook burgers and told the guys like hey this is what we're doing we're we're having a few different trips th- throughout the semester we're gonna go on a few dove hunts gonna go fishing um get a t-shirt if you join and um we're also gonna have these weekly bible studies so and the idea really just to get to know those guys and hopefully they'd come to a Bible study and we'd get a minister to them there. But I mean, more importantly, we get to go duck hunting and get to be in God's creation when you're, when you're out there. I mean, those types of conversations just come up. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I, and we told the guys like, Hey, we're not, we're not a religious organization. That's not us at all. We're, we're all about a relationship with, with Jesus. And we want to show you what that looks like. And if that's not you and you just like to hunt, this is still the organization for you because we're going to go kill some birds. Um, yeah. And I mean, we had guys join that more believers, and then that's kind of the whole heart behind it is to reach guys that weren't reached. And there's a lot of guys that are 
you know, good old Southern Baptist and probably came from a similar background as me, but doesn't don't like truly know what a relationship with the Lord looks like and what we're called to and what is what his mission was for us. Mm. Mm. So that was like I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. I mean, our I mean our our purpose was to further the name of God through the common passion for the outdoors, and we we got to see um, a few guys come to know the Lord this past over the past year, and I mean it, that alone makes it all worth it. Um, oh, that's so good, man. We went from about twenty members our first semester to about forty our second. So we're coming up on our on our year anniversary, I guess, and we're expecting to get a, a fresh batch of freshmen in. So we'll probably be about sixty guys, what we think. The Lord could have different plans, but it's been like incredible. I mean, the guys that come out for it are all just really, really solid dudes and are really enjoyable to be around and have that greater purpose behind it. So and get to do what you love. You gotta go duck yeah. hunting and dove hunting and go chase redfish on the coast. So And so you starting that chapter kind of really got us talking here about how can we help a group of guys replicate that either on campus or if you're out of school and an old guy like me, um, maybe you've got five or six buddies that, you know, they love to be outside. They love to duck hunt. Maybe even some of them are believers. Yeah. And you need something to build some type of organization around. Right. Um, like we, we are now, Brian and I got off the phone earlier, uh, this week about how can we help facilitate that? This is obviously something that the Lord wants. Um, how can we help? How can we get out of the way of that first and foremost? Um, and help facilitate yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, and so what we're doing now is using some of our content and some of our older episodes as basis for uh, study resources. For Because, look, man, you can get a bunch of guys at your house to watch hunting videos yeah. um, and work in some things just to think about and talk about. And it's not, it's not us beating people over the head with a Bible at all. And, um, so now we're starting to put resources together for chapters like yours or guys that want to start a chapter. And Hey, if you want to, you know, if you're in Timbuktu, wherever, um, and you want to see if there's a group of guys that are meeting because you just want to kind of try and figure this thing out, if you're at a spot in your life where you're like, you know, there's got to be something more than just a yeah. 80 to 90 year at the most existence. And then you're gone. Yeah. That, that, that's really chase. That's what, that's the question I asked myself like for a long time, like what is the purpose um, for me being here and taking up oxygen on this planet? Like there's gotta be something more than you live, you work, you retire, you die. Yeah. No, definitely. And um, so if you've got a group of guys that you want to try and figure out what that is and they love to duck hunt. Um, well, first of all, I need to say like if, you, if these, someone listening to this and they haven't seen the Passion and Pursuit films, and as soon as you're done with this podcast, go turn that on because those things are incredible. Um, thank you. So our like our first Bible study, we showed a Passion and Pursuit video. So many guys come to Bible they're like, okay, what are we getting ourselves into? And then sure enough, it's smack down a mallard showing a video and like hey this is we're going to tie scripture back into this and um i think guys are like okay i can get behind this um 
So, and like where I was, I mean, coming into freshman year, I wasn't, I wasn't qualified to start a ministry or anything like that. And not that I am now, but like the Lord is going to qualify the called. He's not going to call the qual call the qualified. Like mm -hmm. I think people have this idea, like okay, like I'm yeah. not, I'm not capable of that. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. I'm not either, but I serve a God that is, and I chase after Him, and He He makes it, it makes the path clearer for me. Um, Dude, have you seen me? Yeah, we're both just <laughs> beat mean, up old men. Well, I'm not old yet, but thanks, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love you, man. Oh, I really do. I so too. thanks for joining us. Uh, that's it for tonight. <laughs> thanks for uh, okay, so we're done. Yeah. Um, but it, it so what what you're talking about? You said it before. Meeting guys where they are. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of, it, it's, it's kind of the, it, it is a, it's a, it's a microcosm of what Christ did when he was here. I mean, oh. he, he didn't come to, you know, preach to the religious matter of fact, he wasn't religious. And as double matter of fact, the people he had the biggest beef with were really religious people, yeah. by the way. So if you think you know him because you've seen the stained glass, stained glass pictures of him in church, like on Christmas or Easter, yeah. if you're a CEO, Christmas and Easter only, like I was. Easter, come on. Yeah, that's right. If you think you know who he is because you went to Sunday school, think again. Yeah. Because he wasn't religious, and the people that he had the biggest problems with were the people that were focused on doing religion right. Yeah. And not focused on him. I mean, you look at the disciples and five out of 12 of them were fishermen. So that doesn't tell you anything. Yeah, I think, I yeah. think there's something there. There's gotta be something there. What, um, what's coming up? What's the next big thing? Cause we had a crawfish boil. Yeah. Uh, you had some dude from Louisiana come over and cook crawfish. Yeah. He taught me how to do it. Um, so we had Joey come down, we threw a crawfish boil in March and, yeah. um, the idea was just to hey, let's enjoy the crawfish and try to get as many guys as we can there and. I do what we're talking about here. I mean, just you guys where they are. I mean, any any guy like that in our crowd is going to want to come eat some crawfish. And um, so I had an awesome turnout for that. And Joey means a lot that you drove down for that. Got to got to see what we got going on down here or what the Lord has yeah, going man. on. Um, oh, dude, you got an awesome group of guys there. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, just an awesome group of guys. Yeah, but, I mean, kind of. I mean, the vision we have. I mean, you've talked about this is like this has been something that the Lord's like clearly using and whether it be like in the videos that you're using or like where, what we've seen at A&M and this revelation at Lord's ministry. So we're like trying to see if the Lord like wants us to take this to our university. So if you're someone's listening to this and they're like, well, I know someone that like is going about to be a freshman, about to be a sophomore, whatever they are that like might be interested in this, like send them this podcast. Um, because our, our vision that the Lord's put before us is like, Hey, why don't you try to take us other places? It's been, it's been successful and um, the guys are the or even if you're not in school anymore i mean yeah i mean, I mean we got you got some guys that you work with that you duck hunt with yeah that, you know you're like me at one point you're like there's got to be something more to this than just you live you die yeah and kind of the vision me and you and you and i have talked about is you know having resources to offer these guys so whether it be um you know small group templates to to watch these passion pursuit videos and have questions mm, kind of lined yeah. up or yeah yeah um i mean uh, starting an organization like at a school is a little bit bigger operation but we've got a 
see kind of how to do that and what's successful and what's not. But And you know why we did that is because a lot of guys, they say, man, I don't know a thing about the Bible. Like, you tell me to look for the book of Hezekiah, I'm turning pages and it ain't in there. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I don't know how to lead a Bible study. Well, you can watch a hunting video, can't you? Yeah. Simple as that. And so I'll give you an idea of the, the framework. And you and I have talked about it, so we're not letting anything out of the bag. Um, the idea is you start the video, and it may be me and Brian. It may be me and somebody else or somebody completely other than me because I've got a face for radio. Um, it You know, discussing what the guys are about to see and maybe some behind the scenes stuff that you don't see about the video to make it a little bit more interesting. And you watch the video yeah. and then it may cut back to whoever got the episode kicked off. Um, talking about some of the, maybe the biblical principles or the, the larger, the kind of the picture within the picture. Mm -hmm. And then we'll give guys some topics to talk about and it will be relevant to the theme of that video. And so, I mean, and, and you and I both said it, let's like get out of the way and let God move. Like, I mean, if you, Oh man, that's so important. Yeah. I mean, people are like, Oh man, I'm not, I'm not ready to do that. Okay. Well, you got a God that is, and he's, you know, if you can get out of the way, he'll move. Um, you just got to get over this idea that you got to be the one to do it because that's not going to work. Right. So what are you, are you, um, so are you kind of, are you guys kind of grooming new leaders yeah, for been, the A&M chapter? Cause I mean, it's crazy to see like, these guys, like that we had this past semester, like their friend group was formed in Revelation Outdoors. Like the guys that they're going to be friends with the rest of their lives, they met in Revelation Outdoors. And it's like, okay, this wasn't a thing a year oh, ago. man, that's so good, dude. So it's like crazy to see like that kind of happening. And like these guys are going to kind of grow up together, go through college together. And like it's all yeah. in Revelation Outdoors, which is, is such a crazy thing to see when like thinking like, okay, a little over a year ago, this wasn't even a thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, so all of us, so we have six guys in leadership. So we got um, five of us are seniors. So we've kind of gone through. Mm -hmm. We don't want to leave and not train somebody up. So we're going through that process right now of kind of getting people to ready to lead it and mm -hmm. get, kind of get it passed on. And it kind of looks like us going and starting those little small groups wherever we end up. And, and hopefully these resources will make it a little bit easier yeah, too for leadership. Um, yeah, for sure. And I mean, if there's people out there, I mean, we got to, we just released a new video. Um, one of our guys in leadership is extremely talented. Uh, Cole it's Rickerson. really good. I saw it. Yeah. So Rickerson Outdoors and it'll be on our Facebook, YouTube, like t just search Revelation Outdoors, Texas A&M chapter and you'll see it and you kind of get to see what we're about. It's not like, oh, this is guys reading the Bible. It's like, no, we're shooting clays, catching fish, having a good time, enjoying fellowship with each other. And um, You're doing the same thing. Jesus did with his disciples. Yeah. You know, and we're going to get into that into a second. One of the things I want to ask you, um, because I have my idea, but I want to hear it from someone that's on campus. And that's kind of the state in general, I guess, of Christianity on college campuses. Is it growing? Is it declining? Like what, what do you see in the, what we would call the body of Christ? on campus yeah so i mean at a school like a and I mean, if people don't know anything about a and it's a massive school i mean we got sixty-seven thousand undergrad graduate students that's a lot of people um hmm. 
So, I mean, you can try to meet every single person there. You're not going to do it. So, I mean, it's definitely like a melting pot for different people. We've got a great engineering school, great business school. So, they get a lot of people from different different backgrounds, different religions, wherever it is. Um, so, my experience has been kind of coming into freshman year, I just made the decision. and um, Not that it necessarily has to be this way, but God kind of convicted to me like, hey, I don't want you to be like a part of your until at least you're 21. And not say I'm a part of your now, but like I don't want you to really associate with alcohol. Like, I don't want that to be your social setting. Um, and I was like, okay. So basically, like, the, the group of people I got into freshman year was kind of the people that had that same social setting as me. So it wasn't like going out and going to bars every night. Um, and it was just like, so that's the kind of people that I associated with my freshman year. And we call it the Christian bubble. Um, and it's, it's in- interesting to see because I've kind of grown out of that. Definitely, there's a lot, a lot of great people in the Christian bubble. I mean, there's people that understand who Jesus was, what his teachings are, and that, like, hey, we're, like, the only thing that we are good for on this earth is to proclaim the gospel. Like, literally every single thing we can do, like, as a Christian, we can do better in heaven. Like, glorify the Lord, whatever you want to say, like, be in fellowship with him. It's better in heaven. Um, And the only reason we're here is to further the kingdom. And there's a lot of people that... I feel like you can just be like comfortable in that and don't mm. necessarily like reach out and that's, that's the bubble you're talking about. That's the bubble. So I mean, it, and there, there is, and, and I, there's strengths in it because it's good to surround yourself with other believers. But I mean, look who Jesus spent time with. He spent time with his 12 guys. He had his 12 dudes. And then he, everywhere else, I mean, he's hanging out with Samaritan women and he's hanging out with tax collectors. And these people that like are the untouchable people that have leprosy, like, literally mm-hmm. if you touch them you they, they like can't even live in the village and this mm-hmm. is who jesus associate is associating with and people are like okay who is this guy like what like that, that you can't you can't do that yeah um, yeah it's against the rules yeah um those religious people are doing that and so i mean revelation.org we've gotten to see a lot of a lot of guys that aren't necessarily in that setting and um i mean you're you can just relate to a lot, a lot of guys like being on a duck hunt sitting around a campfire we're going to the bar playing pool. Uh, when you came in for the crawfish bowl, I mean, we went there yep. and shot some pool and got to spend some time with the guys on leadership. And, um, but yeah, it's, it can be a dangerous setting. And God talks about in the Old Testament about having a remnant, which is like his chosen people mm-hmm. to keep his keep his name proclaimed, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely that. And there's people that are chasing up the Lord and have all different kinds of ministries. And but there's also a lot of people that are like, okay, do you? you truly understand like what you just taught like I, I, they're saved but it's like okay like we're we're supposed to be doing more than that and like the the beginning of acts so jesus is ascended to heaven the disciples are standing there like looking up so like picture this right yeah. looking up and then yeah. literally two angels come down like hey what, what are y'all doing go right. go like jesus commanded you go and make disciples and you're standing up here looking at the sky waiting on something to happen like what are you doing and I think that's mm-hmm. like very, very relevant at A&M. Like we got to have people, all believers to go do this. Um, and Matthew 9, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then ask the Lord to send out workers into the harvest field. And we definitely need that on college campuses. We need more people that are going to go try to reach the unreached. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's too many people though that say, okay, I'm saved, and that's all. Uh, that's all I care about. Don't tell me anything else because I don't want to be responsible. Yeah. Um, he did not come. He did come to save you. 
but he came to save you so that you can replicate that and help yeah. other people be saved through him. And look, the other side of the coin that you were just talking about, Jesus also said, in that day, there's going to be a lot of people who come to me saying, Lord, Lord. And I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. And isn't that just and a to terrifying me, thought? Dude, I'm telling you, I've said that before. Like, there's a lot of things in Scripture that it it would be a lot easier if they weren't in there. Like, yeah. there, there's there's things that I read that I'm like, Whew. yeah, because he's talking to people that were he's talking about people that were doing religion right. Yeah, right. I mean, he's talking to people that you know, and even Isaiah, he said, "Look, I'm so sick of your lofty prayers and all your you know your your heavy words." When you when you do that again, I'm going to turn my back to you. Yeah, because I'm sick of it. There, there's nothing there. So there's a lot of people like in that bubble that you're talking about that will go through the motions. Um, and you know, Jesus says they have their reward because they you know they hang around the same people every day. It's people that believe like them, and the, you you're not fulfilling the commission by doing that. Yeah. And the saddest thing in scripture, I think is these are people that lived their life thinking they were doing religion, right. And they get to the end of it. They get to what should be that joyous day. Um, and Jesus said, I, I don't even know who you are. That's just terrifying. I mean, wait a minute. What? I mean, like I said, the sinner's prayer and I went to church on Christmas and Easter and I'm, I'm a good person. I mean, I don't hurt anybody. I'm certainly better than this clown over here. Yeah. What what do you mean? Like I, I didn't know you. I don't know who you are. And there are so many things in Scripture that, dude. There's other things that you and I may have talked about this. Um, that I read, and I'm like, I, I can't believe God would do that. Yeah. Like I, I read it and I'm like, God, you did that. Like destroying the world with a flood. And having his prophets killed. And I mean, it's just like, man, huh? what? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, you look at and one of my favorite books of the Bible is actually Ezekiel, which is, seems like an odd book. But yeah. Ezekiel is one of the prophets, and like he's called to like lay on his side for three years. This is what God called him to do. And literally eat poop. And that's what he's supposed to do. I'm like, and I'm like, wait, what? And then. Later in the chat, later in the book, he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna kill your wife, and you can't mourn." You're like, what? And like looking at Ezekiel's life and how he remained faithful, and that's just like incredible, and like shatters all, yeah, like thoughts about like what this is. God, Ezekiel's. Well, I mean, read Job for crying yeah. out loud. And I think the whole point is, well, and, and the biggest, the biggest thing is, like, God, how could you do that? I mean, when I think about your own son on a cross. And this is what, this is what made it real for me when I had kids. But to think about like one of your kids on a cross, like who, who was sinless. And it's like, man, you, you did that. But the other side to that is how good is it that we serve a God that is so big? There's no way that we can figure him out. Yeah. I mean, if there's a God you can figure out, I don't think. What a bummer that would yeah. be. 
Like, okay, I see what you're doing there. No. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Um it kind of it kind of brings us to a point like Revelation Outdoors in your chapter too is like I'm always trying to think of either when I'm speaking to a group, you know, at a men's dinner or um wild game dinner or whatever, like what are the barriers? Like what what are men's barriers to entry? Like what are you afraid of? Yeah. Um because yeah, I mean, I guess I could be wrong and this is all made up. And the worst thing that can happen is I've spent my life trying to help other people, you know, get to a place where they would never get to on their own. Right. Right. I, I may be wrong, but on the other hand, I may be right. And if I'm right, um, it's, it, things are going to end bad for you. And so what have you got to lose? Yeah. Like what, what is the barrier to entry? And what do you, what do you think the biggest answer you've gotten is there? Um, for some guys like, well, I don't like, I, I'm, I just don't like religion. Well, dude, have you seen me? I mean, check. We're the furthest thing from religious. And I think maybe you, Look, I, I say when I speak, my definition of religion is man's futile attempt at pleasing God through any means other than faith alone in Christ alone. If you're trying to do something to impress him, you are religious, but you don't have what it takes to be saved. And that's a relationship yeah. with the Savior. And so I think I can speak on you know, my own kind of journey, and it was religion just it's it's poison when when you think that you have to do this don't do that say that don't say that eat this don't eat that drink this don't drink that you have to dress this way don't dress that way um matter of fact scripture specifically talks about in the end times there's going to be a lot of people that fall away and think that that's the that's the route to go yeah and i think for a lot of guys religion is that stumbling block just, and you know what, man, over 2000 years, nothing has changed because religion was the stumbling block for the people that Jesus came to fellowship with. I mean, religion had put such a yoke around people's neck that, I mean, it's just, it's oppressive. Yeah. It truly is oppressive. Yeah. You're right. And so I think if I'm honest, and I may tweak some people by saying this, but if I'm honest, um, religion is the biggest reason why men don't engage. And I think it's because they have a lot of misconceptions about what it means to yeah. follow Christ or be a Christian man. I mean, you, you ask someone, you go up to almost anybody that claims themselves a believer, and you're like, okay... Like, what does being a Christian mean to you? Like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. I've got to go to church when I can. and I believe in God. I believe in God. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you, you're like, okay. Means. Let's say you're, you're standing at the gates of heaven and God asks you, like, okay, what have you done to deserve to be in here? And they're like, oh, um, well, you know, I'm better than most. I've, 
I've lived a, lived a good life. I've, I've tried to try yeah. to do the right things. And you know, it's not multiple choice. There's only one right answer. <laughs> and it's it's like okay, let's look at let's look at Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Literally, every single one, me and you included, probably mm-hmm. even more so. I've fallen short of that. Um, and like, and people have this. Even if you are a great person. Like I've heard it explained as this, like, okay, picture people hanging over the Grand Canyon and they're hanging on a chain link. There's two people and let's say it's me and you. And for me, 10 of my chains break, but for you, one of your chains break, we're both hitting the ground just as hard. Um, mm-hmm. And like people are like, oh yeah, I'm a good person. Well, like, no, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. Cause. Well, th- think about this too, Chase though. You may be a great person, but what we are not talking about is whose standards are we measuring that to? Because if we're measuring it to our flawed standards, um, which you mentioned wild at heart, if, if you're listening to this and you have not read wild at heart, you need to get it. Yeah. Great book. Um, but it is whose standards are you using to say that you're a good person? Yeah. Because scripture, I mean, scripture says no one is good no not one yeah and it's because there is a different unit of measure (laughs) that we're going to be held to account for and the correct answer is when you stand before god and says what what have you done to to enter heaven i've put my personal faith and trust in christ as my savior period i believe that he is who he says he is yeah and i believe that he did accomplish what he came here to accomplish period that's it ain't nothing i've done ain't nothing i've done yeah i mean the payment the payment of sin is is death like that's what we deserve and it's a gift from god like what do you have to do to take a gift like i said it you really just have to take it that's all you have to do you have to take it and receive it i mean that's then you're there um yeah I think here's the second thing. So you asked me, like, what are some of the common, you know, barriers there? The second thing is, and it doesn't come out as, um, it doesn't as readily come out as we have to drag it out. But people, guys, men, think that you can't be, you can't be a manly, masculine man if you follow Christ. Yeah. No, it's like... um. I mean, it comes down what? to how, how do you define manhood? Like, uh, that's, uh, again, by whose standards? Yeah, you're going to define it by, I don't even know how the world defines it. I mean, you ask any guy, they're going to define it differently. Well, so, that's because the world's neutered men. Exactly. So. And <laughs> then you go, let's, you know who we'd ask? We'd ask the creator God. That's who actually understood, understand what it is. We were creating his image. Now, and if you think about it, like, okay, think about an iPad. Like, if you use an iPad as a cutting board, is it, is it actually living to its potential or use an iPad to have like the internet, everything that, that it offers. And that's what some people mm-hmm. see as manhood. Like, Oh yeah, we need this. And they're, they're like not living to their potential at all. And like what we're actually created to be. Um, but yeah, I think people have this misconception that, you know, Christianity could be like soft almost. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, like we have to, well, first of all, there's a lot of strength and weakness, and it takes a true man to to be willing to stand up and say, "Okay, I can't do it," but Christ did, and that's enough for me. Um, mm. And I mean, there, there's 
the the contrast of Jesus' teachings. I mean, you see in Matthew 11, he talks about my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And then in Isaiah, he talks about you will keep in perfect peace um, when you're in me, when you're in my word. And like mm-hmm. the reality of that is like, okay, like you and I both have peace. Like we both know, it's okay, my dad, my sleep tonight, I know where I'm going. Um, yeah. And I know that it's in his hands, not my hands. I'm not the ones in charge of that. And I got to go hang out with Jesus in heaven and that's going to be awesome. Um, but then, okay, let's look a little deeper into Jesus' teaching, teachings. Um, whoever wants to follow me must deny themselves and pick up their cross daily. Daily. Yeah. Okay. What? Well, okay. Like pick up a cross and think, Oh, let's look at. Look, why don't you read through the end of the, one of the Gospels and see what Christ went through, and see how. Yeah, that means something that completely different. <laughs> when that was written, picking up a cross was a literal death sentence. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and so to your to your point, um, you know, Luke nine twenty three kind of says the same thing. Anyone who wants to follow me, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. Um, if, so one of the things that I learned is, or if you're listening to this, you can think about it. So scripture clearly says we are created in his image, right? right? Let us go down and make man in our image. God, the father, God, the son. Um, so what does that mean? I mean, look at what God created. I mean, you know, when this place was created, this was a wild place. I mean, in, in, in everyday creation just gets more and more fantastic and his crowning achievement. We're called his poema in Ephesians. His, his masterpiece is us. And he creates this wild place with wild animals and just wild things. And he calls it good. Like that's the heart we have in us. The same yeah, the same heart that our creator created all this in. Um, you you know that dude wasn't walking around. You know, you know Adam wasn't walking. It's it, it just, so if that's who we are, um, you think of Jesus, and it's why I said to go back and read read the gospels, but try to determine like what his personality was. And Eldridge wrote a, a, just an awesome book. John Eldridge wrote an awesome book called beautiful outlaw. And it's really a study of all the different personalities of Christ. Hmm. So, and chase, I'm telling you, when I read that book, I just fell in love with him just on such a deeper level because Christ came here to relate with us. It's not like Eldred said, it's not like Einstein dropping in to take the second grade math test. He was fully human. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you look at, sometimes we just blow through the gospels and we just think of Jesus as just this austere fellow who's off to the side speaking in riddles. And, you know, he kind of keeps everybody at arm's length and, um, you know, he, he had, he had all the characteristics. Think of your best friend or friends okay. and what makes you just love them. It's their personality. Yeah. Right. And, and I think if you go through the gospels and read without considering 
Jesus's personality. It's like watching TV with the sound off. Yeah. You, you can't get context. If it, one of my favorite stories. So for people that think that Jesus didn't laugh or he didn't, you know, joke around with his buddies or, or whatever. So he tells the disciples to meet him. Uh, this is after the resurrection to meet him at the, I think it's a Sea of Galilee. I'm not sure. No. It's towards the end of John. Uh, but they go and they wait and they wait. And like you said, most of them were fishermen. So what do fishermen do when they get bored? They go fishing, right? And so they sit out in the boat all night. Boats just rock and everybody's just, you know, falling asleep. They hadn't caught anything. And it said Jesus walks up the beach and purposely kept himself hidden from them. So he's purposely keeping himself hidden from them so they don't know who it is. And he calls out to him. He says, hey, have you caught anything? And they said, no. And he said, well, try the other side of the boat. And so they do. And the nets are full. And they realize who it is. And they're they're hooked all over again. And Jesus just played a little, little prank on his buddies. Yeah. I mean, he kept himself hidden from them. And so when they drag their their nets up to the beach, Jesus is already cooking fish. How do you get the fish? Because he's Jesus. Um, but he doesn't say, hey, let's uh, let's go to the synagogue and have a Bible study. Or let's, uh, no, he has a cookout on the beach with his boys. And I'm just oh. like, God, man. That's the kind of dude that I could get down with. Dude. And so if you think he doesn't have personality, you think he's just this one dimensional kind of just words on a page. You really need to read the gospels again, but this time do it with an, a, a mind of who, what his characteristics and what his personality was really like, because when he had to be fierce and when he had to be tough, um, he did that. I mean, you can consider, First of all, if you were a man back then, you had to be tough. There was no air conditioning. There was no Starbucks. There was no Starbucks. Wi-Fi. There was, you know, um, but, you know, he he was fierce when he had to be. He was kind and understanding when he had to be. He was blunt and to the point, but always from a perspective of love. Never, never, ever to... Um, shame someone unless it was the Pharisees who were just oppressive to the Jews. Who also murdered him, but, you know, it's the whole issue. Well, no, Jesus said, I give my, no one killed him. Okay, he said, that. I give my, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so I would just say to guys who think that they know him, read the Gospels again and try to pick up on, you know, him kicked back at the table at a wedding just laughing and enjoying the friendship and the people around him and the fellowship. Um, and tell me if that's not a different perspective. Yeah. So, but we, the reason I say that is because we have the perfect example of what masculinity, true masculinity should be in the person of Christ. If we study it. Yeah. I've said to guys for years, if you want to find out how tough you are, right? You you think you're you're tough, um, pick up your cross. Pick up your cross yeah. and see. Um, we were talking earlier. 
Yeah. Well, we were talking before, and one of my favorite verses in Scripture is Galatians 5.17. And it says, the flesh is set against the spirit, the spirit is set against the flesh. They're opposed to one another. And I love it because it always points back to, so before I had that relationship and I really knew him, um, I could go out and do and say things and there'd be no problem, no, no consequences. I was no, being a man. I don't know anything, yeah. Yeah, so there was no struggle. But as soon as I made that, you know, December 11th of 2010, when I made that decision to do my best to follow him, um, and I would do those same things, all of a sudden there was this struggle because now I had the spirit that was opposing the flesh. And so the, the thing that makes it so difficult, um, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. All right. There's a dichotomy there. So yeah. it's really simple to understand, but it's not easy. Um, the the conviction now comes from within. It's easy for me to blow somebody off if they're telling me I'm doing the wrong thing, but it's a horse of another color when it's coming from within. Yeah. And that makes, that's the spirit opposing the flesh. It's good news though, because if there was no struggle, there'd be no spirit. And without that spirit, there's no salvation. Mm -hmm. So I tell guys all the time, you want to find out how tough you are? Follow Christ. Yeah. Follow Christ. See how tough you are. Man. And that's it right there. That's it. Yeah, I mean, just look at look so, at the life he lived and I mean he ends all when he talks with people, he always like, All right, come and follow me. And I like literally every time he's like in a conversation with someone, he's like, All right, pick up your mat, come and follow me. Um, whoever it is. And like you look at the rich young rich young rich young ruler, this guy comes up to me and says, Hey, like what good must I do to, to get eternal life? No, but first he said, I've done this and I've done that. I do this. I, I don't sin. I yeah. keep the law. I do. You remember yeah, he so said, I do all these things. Like, Oh, only one who is good. He's like, here, keep these commandments. He's like, and he's like, he's like, all of these I've kept. I'm like, okay, I'm sure you've kept all this, but yeah, I'm sure you like never smarted off to your parents when you're little, never looked on a woman lessfully. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, let's, let's say you did that. And he said, go, go sell all your possessions. Come and follow me. Like he says, you got to drop everything and come and follow me. And it's going to be the most challenging thing you do, but it's also going to be the most fulfilling thing you do because it is exactly what we were created to do. Um, and I think this he just knew how to get to the point, like the exact point that that person need not necessarily wanted to hear, but needed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I think you kind of hit it on the head. There's going to be, people that call on me and Lord going to say, I never knew you. And it's like, all right, are you taking up your cross daily to follow him? Are you, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. We, we, a lot of people say, so the great commission, um, a lot of people this center consider like that calling. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I don't like, I have that calling or you don't have that calling, but no, it's like, a, it's a commandment. And I think people are like, Oh, some people are called to that. And some people aren't, but like as a follower of Christ, it is like, what we were left on this earth to do. And I think people miss that. Um, well, yeah, here's, here's what I think about that. If, if I had the cure for cancer and I didn't tell someone who had cancer because I just didn't think that, you know, I was qualified to tell them that, Hey, I've got the cure to cancer. Yeah. Um, what kind of reward would I have? 
So yeah, I'm not going to have cancer because I got the cure. But you know, when I have to give an account and would, and all believers will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, not for salvation or damnation. Right. That's yeah. the white throne judgment. Um, but we will all receive rewards for our Christian service and conduct here. And so I kind of equated to, you know, when you're little Thanksgiving, you got to sit at the little kid's table. You want to be at the little kid's table or you want to be at the big table with Jesus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I want to be at the big table, bro. And Jesus talks about it being like not comparable to anything on this earth. So I like you, you read that and you're like, okay. Yeah. The mallards always finish. Um, you never miss. You never miss. Wind's always at your back. And isn't that the dream? So, isn't that the dream? Yeah. So I hope that if anyone is, you guys are listening and maybe you got a couple of buddies and you may be interested in if either you're a student on campus um, or yeah. you've got some buddies that, you know, may want to start some type of small group, um, consider uh, kind of following the model that Chase laid out. It wasn't me because that was the furthest thing from like, I, <laughs> that was all God. Oh, yeah. It wasn't me because I didn't see that coming. Yeah. It was, it was cool to see him work through that. And yeah, I mean, it's been silly learning. Like I said, you feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And there's a version of Ephesians that talks about it. It's saying like, you're waiting on, if you're waiting on the water to come down to harvest and waiting for the wind to die down, like you're never going to reap your harvest. You're never going to do that. So there's no, there's no perfect time in your life. That's like, okay, I'm there. Like you're there right now. Jesus is calling you to it. So, I mean, take that next step. I mean, we'd love, love to get in touch with y'all if, if that's what it is. But if it's I mean, going out and sharing this podcast or whether it's you going out and proclaiming your faith, that's all we want. We just want to further the name of Christ. And, um, if we can help out in that, we'd love to. Um, but, so Joey, how can, yeah, how, and just, what's a good way to get in touch with us, you know, or yourself? Yeah. So at the, um, I'm going to have all of our contact information in the show notes at the end of the yeah. podcast, but you know, we're all over social media, either under revelation outdoors or passion and pursuit. Yeah. Um, and again, I would just ask everyone that's listening just to take a couple of minutes. If you, if you don't have that relationship and you know, if you do or you don't, I mean, I know for 40 something years, I didn't. Yeah. Um, if you don't ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Um, well, I may lose friends. Well, you got the wrong kind of friends in. Yeah. Um, or people may make fun of me. Well, they crucified Jesus. What do you think they're going to do to you? Yeah. Um, and if you do have that relationship with him, I would say, and, and you're not, you know, actively seeking out, guys or maybe want to start a small group or whatever i would just say don't keep that candle under a basket yeah i mean it's we have a, a lamp lit and you don't go hide it under the bed i mean you let it out you let your light shine for the world to see and that's that's what we're here to do yeah. um, so i'm right there with you what did uh did we leave anything because we've been at it for almost an hour and a half now yeah time flies by did man. we leave anything off that you would oh i know what i wanted to ask you what uh, what events do you guys have coming up? Do you have anything planned? Yeah, yet? so I mean, if anybody's in the Texas area, we got tailgates going on for some football games, so we'd love to see you there. We'll have information on our 
on our Facebook page, Texas A&M Revelation Outdoors. Instagram is T-A-M-U Rev Outdoors. Um, and we'll have information up on that. We just released that new video. Go check that out. Share mm. it with people. Um, but if you also go to a different school, I mean, we'll find a way to get in touch with, like reach out to us. And I mean, we'll get on a hunt together yeah. or something. We can kind of talk about if this is something yeah. the Lord might have planned for you. So um, I don't know. It's exciting to see like how far it's come and, and take that step. It's a challenge. It's, it's a fight, but it, it feels like now that we're getting ready to release all these resources, um, it feels brand new again. Oh man, it's, it's incredible. Like it, 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 I don't exactly know how to say it, but I think well, I know Brian feels the same way, but you know, we've been filmmakers for so long, um, that now it's, it's kind of, we've adjusted our aperture a little bit and really see, cause we've had a lot of guys reach out to, Hey, how do we get more involved? Um, yeah. you have any resources for us? Like, I, I don't know how to lead a small group study, but it's really in my heart just to get guys together. And so it feels brand new. Like it feels invigoratingly brand new. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool, man. And, and you were, you were kind of a, really a driving force behind pushing us in that direction. So I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, if there's guys that go to school with, you know, PCU or wherever it is in Texas or Oklahoma, you know, we'll be on hunts up there and towards Dallas. And if you want to come down and come on a dove hunt with our, our guys, I mean, we'd love to have you. So, I mean, just reach out, yeah. kind of get it figured out. If, even if you're not a college student, whatever it is. Check. Well, that seems like a good place to uh, wrap it up. Chase Moore, I appreciate you, yes, brother. Sir, I appreciate you having me. It was a, it was a pleasure. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Looking man, forward to, to sharing Duck Blind with this year in Mississippi Delta. So. Yeah, we need to. We're actually working on a couple of hunts in the Delta. And so when I get those laid out, I'll let you, you know. know. I'll be there in a heartbeat. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Thank you very much, Chase, for not only joining me on the podcast, but also for lending your ideas and your enormous heart for Jesus. Our ministry is stronger and more effective because of you and your guys back at College Station, and I cannot thank all of you enough. Keep moving forward. Stay on the path, guys. If you have an interest in talking with Chase or me about starting a Revelation Outdoors small group, small men's group, study group, um, or just that sacred kind of band of brothers uh, message us through our website or social media we really believe that what chase and his incredible group of guys has done can be replicated and help other men learn what a real relationship with the real jesus can be and how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity hit us up we'd love to talk with you about making that happen we'd like to also thank Edge Duck Boats, Tahatsu Outboard, Rite, Shotguns, Apex Ammunition, and of course, last but certainly not least, Sitka Gear for supporting Passion and Pursuit and Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry. Without the help of these companies, we could not do what we do, so I humbly ask you, our listening audience, to support the companies that support us. We appreciate it. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts on the interwebs. It helps us continue to keep climbing up the rankings. And if you wouldn't mind, please share the show with a hunting buddy. We'd really appreciate that too. 
Again, thank you all so much. Keep on listening. Keep on sharing. We love you. That's all the time we have. And until next episode, bye-bye, y'all.